Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's podcast. This week, we have a friend I've met at, uh, well, he helped move the warehouse at East West Players, and then I just worked with him on the Troubadour show, uh, Year Without a Santana Claus. He was the set designer. So this week, we're talking to Christopher Scott Murillo. He, like I said, is a set designer. He also is a teacher. Uh, in the past couple years, he's been adjunct at Riverside City College, Cal State LA, Long Beach City College, uh, like most designers, jumps all over the place and does shows for everything around the LA area. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thanks, Stacey. So one thing we always like to start with, because it's always interesting to see where people come from, how did you get into theater? Did you know you wanted to be a set designer or did you start somewhere else? You know, I actually started somewhere else. Um, I was a painter and sculptor when I was in high school, but I grew up 10 minutes from Disneyland. <laughs> so <laughs> as, as you know, a common story with, I think, Southern California designers, they kind of either have an interest with Disney or they sometimes wanted to be an Imagineer at one point. Mm -hmm. uh, that was something for me where I actually wanted to be an Imagineer for Disney and I sort of fell into theater as a result. Um, why I say that is because I looked at CLA, which had a course that was taught by the Imagineers and the only way you could take it was if you were a theater major at UCLA. So that was my sort of like, oh, I'll take this class and I'll go and hopefully someday be an Imagineer. Obviously stuff, stuff has changed and I took the course, I loved it, but then I realized, you know, there's so much more out there that you can do with, you know, storytelling and creating these visual worlds that I ended up being a scenic designer and it's been that ever since. So that's how I found theater or theater found me. <laughs> yeah, theater <laughs> finds people. Uh, but do you still do painting because I know you painted the set for uh, the last Troubadour show. So do you mm -hmm. mostly just paint your own sets or do you get hired to paint other people's sets? Um, you know, I I like to paint. It's something that I've always loved to do. So, you know, getting, you know, the painting of my own set helps me just to kind of get that release of release out of my system of painting. Uh, I'm trying to start painting again now that I have a little more space, but we'll see. <laughs> takes up so much space and time and you know it's, I don't always have that much space in my place so yeah to have stuff out and to dry and not knock yeah. over and not drip paint all over a couch right <laughs> <laughs> that's always how it works uh, so then how did you you grew up in LA you live in LA did you start making connections through the people that you met in high school and college? And that's how you have been getting jobs? Or how would you say that you uh, started getting jobs and how it's changed over the years on you um, getting jobs today versus when you first started? You know, when I when I first started, which let's see, it was back in 2007, so it's been a little while, um, I, I graduated from UCLA and I remember I... At the time, I was actually working at a fancy boutique hotel in Santa Monica. Um, it's called the Viceroy, which is still there. I worked at the front desk. And I had this, this I don't know, conversation with myself where I was like, I either stay in hospitality or I actually use the degree I just got. So I moved back home. I left LA and I moved back home to Orange County with my parents. Um, and I just started applying places. And it took about three and a half months. And for whatever reason, I got really lucky. But there was an opera company called Opera Pacific at the time mm -hmm. um, in Orange County. And they were located 15 minutes up the street from my parents. And I got a job there. Um, nice. as their it was uh, the assistant to the costume director, I think the title was. And that was my first professional theater job. And I did that for a season. And then that's how I started making connections and meeting more people um, in Orange County and LA and just sort of sending my resume out. 
Um, but that's really how it got started at that opera company. Sadly, they're no longer there. Um, but that's, like I said, they gave me my first opportunity to actually use my degree. So, Do you do much in costumes? Not anymore. I actually, I haven't designed costumes since probably 2014. So it's been a few years. Um, but when I initially started, I would do, I was a scenic costume and props designer. I did all three just to kind of get experience and exposure and get out there. Mm-hmm. Now I mostly just do scenery. So, Do you miss the other ones or you kind of wanted to go more towards scenery? Uh, well, scenery was always my passion and my interest. Um, I do love props, but as as we know, props is a very difficult role <laughs> to have sometimes. That is um, so true. Props is like my least favorite out of everything. It still scares me. Nope, sound scares me. <laughs> I left props because, you know, I was I did props probably, I want to say about three years straight, and then I decided to go back to grad school. Um, because I was like, the only way I'm going to keep moving is if I have, uh, you know, more experience and more knowledge. So, you know, every now and then I'll do props. Um, the last show I did, I did props up at the Getty Villa for Mojave, which um, who was it? Luis Alfaro wrote. And that was the last show I did props. But sometimes I'll do it if the situation is right or if I like the collaborators. Um, costumes, I tend to not do as much just because... Um, doing costumes in LA theater is such a, it's such a feat. And anyone who does do it, all my costume designer friends, I'm like, I give them so much credit because I don't know how they get all the stuff and get it all, you know, hemmed and cleaned, and you know, to the theater. I'm like, that's so much logistics. <laughs> so that's why yeah. I tend to stay away from it now. It's a lot of, a lot of stuff for me to wrap my head around. I'd rather wrap it around scenery. So. <laughs> Yeah, you're usually not in charge of then transporting it or getting it somewhere. <laughs> right. Usually there's there's some help with that. Yeah. Uh, where'd you go to grad school at? You know, I actually went to UC San Diego, so down in La Jolla. Um, and I got, that's where I got my MFA in scenic design. So, Did you like that program? Did you feel like it was like, so I didn't go to grad school, but Cindy did go to uh-huh. grad school. So it's always a question of, like, would you recommend people to go to grad school for scenic design? Do you think it really helped you? Was it more about the connections you made? Or what was your experience in grad school? You know, for me, I, you know, I think grad school for theater is definitely a personal choice. And also, mm-hmm. you know, it relates to where you are in your career and what you're hoping to do and where you see yourself. Um, I waited, I think it was three years between undergrad and grad school to go back. Um, For me, I felt, you know, grad schools helped me solidify a process, but it also gave me a lot of connections. And, you know, it it set me up with some collaborators that have turned into almost lifetime collaborators, collaborators since. Um, That's where I met Haley Parker and Lily Bartenstein, who also just worked on a year with Alice Santana Claus. Um, and a few others who I see myself like constantly working with just because we understand each other um, and we understand how each of us works and what we need to feel supported by our, you know, uh, each of our respective design areas. Um, so for me, like I, I am a big person who promotes grad school, but only if you feel like you need it or if it's the right time for you. Um, Cause I've also seen people who like rush straight into grad school and sometimes they don't, you know, they don't have this time to really get their feet wet um, in the industry to see what they really like or what it's really about. Um, so I always encourage like some time before going back to grad school. But I, I, I love grad school and I would recommend UC San Diego still. So, Was it hard to take time off and get in the real world and then stop that and go back to grad school where it's more focused on theater and you're not necessarily making money, you're spending money going to school and like readjusting to the school life? You know, grad school, UC San Diego had a really nice um, setup for their grad students at the time. When I went, um, you were not only just getting your MFA, but you got to teach. And also UC San Diego, um, they're con- well, they're not connected, but they are, um, La Jolla Playhouse is on the same property. Mm-hmm. So yeah. as a grad student, we were guaranteed a residency with La Jolla Playhouse on one of their shows. 
So your second year, you get to go and you work with the La Jolla Playhouse team and the, you know, the out-of-town designers, and you assist the designers on a production while you're there. So that, that helps get, you know, the full, you know, professional experience while you're in school. Um, I was lucky because being from LA and, and I only went down to San Diego, I still had connections in Orange County and LA. So every, every like summer, or every so often, I'd still do a professional show just to keep my, my name out there. Uh-huh. So while I was in grad school, uh, the Chance Theater, which is down in um, Anaheim Hills, I did a couple shows there when I wasn't in school. So that helped. That helped keep my name sort of out there. So when I left, when I was done with grad school and graduated, um, the transition was easier. So. Yeah, you hadn't disappeared for a couple years and then tried to come back. People yeah. still knew who you were. Yeah. Was teaching during your grad school what kind of led you to teaching at different colleges now? Did you want to become a teacher? Um, I knew going going into grad school and going back to grad school, I knew I wanted to be a teacher at some point. Um, I never knew that I was going to be a teacher so quickly in the, in the sense that <laughs> I graduated and I think it was, it, was a, it was one year and I got sort of not, I mean, they like Cal State LA and Riverside City College basically found me and came to me. Um, they needed a teacher last minute and they were like, hey, we have these classes. We have to hire someone now. We start school in two weeks. Um, and that's how I ended up at both of those universities. Um, I remember like Cal State LA, the chair who's now Meredith Greenberg, um, she came to a rehearsal. It was like, it was tech. And she was dropping off some, like loaning some equipment to, um, at the time, it was Deaf West Spring Awakening, and she was loaning some equipment. And she found me backstage and was like, hey, I need to talk to you. You don't know me, but we need a teacher. <laughs> and that, that's how I started teaching. It happened really and quick. That, is that how you met her? You're like, yeah, hi, that's how I met her. Like, Do you want a job? Yeah, that's exactly how that's I met her. Awesome. That was my first interaction with her. She's like, you don't know me, but we have a mutual friend. I know you. I need to hire you. <laughs> and that's how it started. So ever since, it's, really you know, funny. it's been a thing that I've been doing. And I, I love teaching because, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I always tell people, people are like, why do you teach? What, what is that? You know, how does that help your career and you as an artist? And I'm like, for me, it, it's that, you know, mentoring somebody and teaching somebody who may not be exposed to theater about the art form and the craft and what it is, you know, scenic designers do um, and how they do it. Because I think some people don't always think or think to think that it's something difficult or that takes time. So it's all, it's a great sort of reward to see like the interest and the fascination with it. So, um, and it helps you really like talk about the art. That's why I still love doing it. I want to go back a sec. Cause I was looking at your, your resume mm-hmm. and uh, I got down to props and I was like, Oh, we were just talking about prop design. And uh, you worked at Long Beach Opera, my second season at Long Beach Opera, which I find very entertaining. I know all those directors you worked with. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, what, what shows? I guess I should have looked at his resume first. Uh, Vixen with Ken Kazan and Montezuma with David Schweitzer and Emperor Volantis with Andreas. Yeah, that was my that was my one season with Long Beach Opera yeah. when I started doing props. That was a fun one. That's I, I think I, what was it? The Montezuma was probably my favorite of that season. So I got to hand make a lot of things. Interesting. But yeah, wow. That was 10 years ago. I think it was 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. Like That's I started, amazing. I spent six and a half, seven seasons at Long Beach Opera, but I didn't do any of those. I did um, 2009. Would that, that would have been um, either Nixon in China or... Wow, you know, I almost worked on Nixon in China, almost. That was our got... first one. My first one at Long Beach. So wow, uh, <laughs> small yeah, world. <laughs> uh, yeah, it totally is a small world. <laughs> really awesome. I mean, like I said, props scare me, but um, <laughs> it's always awesome to look at somebody's somebody's resume and be like, "Oh, I know that person. I know that person. I know that person." I know these <laughs> and you're like, "Wait you a know. second, did we work together?" <laughs> Right? Like when Chris came to uh, East West Players, he brought his class to East West Players one day to look at things. And Andy Lowe was like, Oh, Chris, do you know Stacy? And Chris is like, Yes. And I was like, Oh, shit. 
<laughs> how does Chris know me? And then he's like, I helped Glenn move the props. And I was like, oh, okay, got it. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> it's okay. It was a very hot summer when we moved that. And I yeah, just remember all the dirt and moving everything. It was. It was. Yeah. You guys were a lot faster. The rest of it took like two months, and so I was like, "Glenn's got that part covered. I'm not worrying about that." Glenn wants to bring yeah. in people. Great. You deal with props. <laughs> uh, on your, uh, I know it was brought up a number of times when people were kind of making fun of your design choices at the Troubadours, which everyone makes fun of everything, uh, <laughs> that you've won a number of awards. Uh, in 2016, you won the Princess Grace Fellowship and Associate Artist. What, What is that award? And so, I don't even know how to uh, go about getting awards. You know, that it's actually, it was a grant through the Princess Grace Foundation. Um, and it, it's interesting because the Princess Grace Foundation has... They have both fellowships, apprenticeships, scholarships, and honorariums. And basically, I applied for a fellowship with a company called Playwrights Arena, which is based here in LA. And, you know, the mission of Playwrights Arena is to produce and foster the works of LA-based playwrights and to embrace, you know, the diversity of the city and the stories that um, may not, you know, that should be told. So I applied in conjunction with Playwrights Arena. So they, in essence, nominated me and I submitted my materials and some of my work samples to the Princess Grace Foundation. Um, and surprisingly, like it, it was like a total shock when they called me, but I was a recipient of one of the fellowships. So as a result, I received a grant for $20,000 and I got to work with Playwrights Arena for a year designing all of their shows. Uh, and then, then also sort of the, I call it like not a Cinderella moment, but the, the fancy part of the, of the foundation, they flew me out to New York for this big gala where I got to meet, meet the Prince and Princess of Monaco and go to a dinner and wow. um, do all these fancy things. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a, awesome. it's a pretty amazing foundation. Um, they support a lot of artists. And it's one of those things, like, once you get it, you're almost in this family where they, you know, they're always there to support you and mentor you and offer guidance um, if you need it and if you want it. And as a recipient, I can now apply to additional grants, uh, which is great for, you know, just, you know, career development, special projects I might have. Um, and, you know, just anything that, you know, might interest me, like if I wanted to do a collaboration with another recipient and I can, you know, put up a proposal and, you know, if it's something the foundation can um, support, they will try to support it. So it's, a, you know, it's a really fortunate thing to have. I'm definitely really lucky. Um, but it was something where I had heard about it actually when I was in grad school. Um, UC San Diego, they, they have a history of having a lot of recipients so one of my colleagues or, you know, one of my, actually someone who was in my graduating class at UC San Diego, Joshua Brody, who's a director um, in New York, he actually received it. I was like, huh. I was like, I'll apply, see what happens, not expecting much. And then of course it happened <laughs> and that was that. But yeah, it's sort of the, you know, not the, the troubadours, they like to, the troubies, they like to tease me every now and then. They, you know, <laughs> Princess Grace. <laughs> They're like, you know, you're a Princess Grace award winner. You should be able to do all these amazing things. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of this running joke, you know. But mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, you know, it's endearing and it's fun. And, you know, I know they, they don't mean any harm by it. It's all, all. Oh, no. It's all lighthearted. <laughs> but it's like, why can't you make Santa's workshop look like a Mexican village Santa's workshop in like 20 minutes? Come on, Chris. Right. <laughs> which he succeeded at but it did take a little more than 20 minutes there was a lot of set dressing on that set <laughs> i have two questions and and one of them is probably going to take a while to answer so i'll start with that one uh you also have experience with tv is it tv and film or just tv your, your uh, website says tv portfolio how how do you get involved in that because i feel like theater world and TV film is kind of like so separated, even though in my mind they're so similar. So mm -hmm. how did you get your foot in the door to TV? Um, so this is, yeah. this is kind of one of those, 
I mean, for, for lack of a better phrase, but I, I guess I got a little lucky. Um, <laughs> I feel so. like that's like every podcast we do, they're like, well, I was just in the right place at the right time. I don't know. It was luck. And that's, that's really how I got into television. So what happened, let's see, how did it happen? So I was coming out of grad school, um, getting ready to move back to LA, and I didn't know where I was going to, how, or how I was going to support myself. Um, (laughs) So I actually contacted my undergraduate mentor at UCLA. And he was like, Mm -hmm. oh, send your resume to, to this guy named Bruce Ryan. And I was like, okay, sure. I was, you know, and I, I just cold emailed him and sent my resume. I was like, hey, you know, I'm, you know, a former student of so-and-so and I'm moving to LA and I'm just looking for some work. And he called me and he was like, so can you come in next week for two days? We'll do a trial run. We'll see how you do. And it was for, wow. I think, what was it? It was a... I'm trying to think. You know, it was for... Um, there's a studio what is it youtube space la and at the time they were fairly brand new they're out in marina del rey and youtube had hired him to do like i think it was like six of these ready sets is what they're called so he wanted me to come in and just decorate them um and he was like let's see how you do so i did that it was a crazy like two days of stuff that i was just like yeah, I felt like I was flying by the seat of my pants the whole time. It was like baptism by fire. Because <laughs> it was like, do this, do this. We have like two hours to do this. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't think I'll ever do that again. And he was like, oh, you did great. And then he had me back. And that's <laughs> that's actually, I don't know if you also saw my resume, has the Real Housewives of Orange County and Beverly yeah. Hills on there. <laughs> yeah. So that's how that happened. Because he was like, oh, I just got this new contract with the Real Housewives of Orange County. He's like, do you want to come and be the set decorator? And I was like, sure, I'm not, you know, I'm not working. Like, <laughs> I need to make a living. That. Okay. <laughs> right. So then it turned into that. Um, and then sort of how it kept going. Meanwhile, while well, I Playhouse was doing a production of Sideshow and the assistant or associate scene designer was actually an art director named Joe Shelley, who was at the time also the art director for the Oscars. Hmm. So he was working down in La Jolla at La Jolla Playhouse and he asked the prop, the prop master, hey, do you know anyone who can make a scenic model? I need to hire a model maker for the Oscars. And she gave him my name. And then so over the course, you know, me doing Real Housewives and then him working on that show, he then found me. And then that led to me working on the Oscars in 2013 in September. That's when I started. So then that's how that happened. <laughs> and that's how I sort of fell into TV and all of that world. But, you know, it's like that whole right place, right time. I happened yeah. to email somebody. So, can you uh, imagine yeah. if you had emailed like a week later, then that opportunity would have passed, you know? Right. <laughs> it's that's like, so awesome. It's like, you know, all the stars aligned and that's, that's how that happened. <laughs> yeah, and they liked that's you and they cool. kept passing on your information and one job leads to another job. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I did that. I don't, I tend to not do as much TV work anymore um, because theater is just sort of where the passion is. But if, right. you know, if it comes my way and if it's the right project, I'll definitely jump on board and, and do it. So that's really cool. So that leads to my, my next question, <clears throat> which kind of ties into that is the unions you belong to. So you belong to uh, USA, I believe, mm-hmm. which is the Scenic Artist Union. We haven't actually talked to anybody, I think, that belongs to, to USA. We talk a lot about AGMA and Equity, which are the two that I belong to. Okay. Uh, but you didn't, you didn't join that until 2016, which after you've been working for a while. So is it, well, my first question is, how does USA work? Like, do you have to have a number of years in it or somebody recommend you? And why... Did you wait until 2016 to join? You know, joining the union is, you know, it's once again, it's sort of like like going to grad school. It's a a choice, both personal and professional. Um, I felt that, you know, I waited until I felt like I had a steady enough career in theater to actually make that decision and support, you know, or have enough support to fund the union dues and the cost of joining the union. Yeah. Um, that's one part of it. The second part, when you apply to the union, there's 
what is it? It's a several part application process. You have to write why you feel it's you know time for time for you to join the union. You have to submit as a scenic designer two full drafting packets of um, two produced shows. You have to submit your resume, and then you have to get letters of recommendation. But when you go to New York, it's a different process. Um, mm-hmm. But everything from the Western region side is submitted online, or you can mail it in. Um, I just submitted online. And then you wait. You literally wait, because um, they only do it four times a year. So every quarter, they accept applications. Um, so I submitted. And at the time, like I said, I felt I was making a steady living and income in theater. I had enough credits. I had enough um you know, support from other union members who wrote my letters. Mm-hmm. So, and I chose to join earlier rather than later, just because, you know, there is, there is a pension and you can potentially get health benefits through it. Um, of course, there are formulas on how that works, uh, which right. I don't, I don't quite know. I don't know all the ins and outs, but it's based on, you know, how much you work and how much um, your employers contribute. Um, yeah, no, but, in mine, it's like based on weeks, I think. Yeah. So if you have X number of weeks under a certain contract, then you like build up for different health insurance and you mm-hmm. can get, you know, things like that. I'm under my husband, so I don't really worry about it. I listen to other people talk about it, but I <laughs> thankfully do not have to worry about those kinds of things. But yeah. So it's, you know, those are reasons why I felt I should join. And also it being a union member, it's like, you, you know, like there's a union cover sheet. So, you know, exactly, you know, when you're getting paid what the expectation mm-hmm. is, um, you know, it just, it gives you some protections that I think sometimes as a freelancer, you don't always have. And it also gives you some normalcy. Miss, like minimums and stuff? Um, yes, there, there's a, a minimum rate sheet based on where you are and what size of theater you're working in. And mm-hmm. also there's a set payment schedule. So like when you sign the contract, you get a third. And then when your designs do, you get a third. And then at opening, there's a third. So you, you know, you're, so like instead of you having to wait till opening to get your check, it's spread out while you're actually working on the production. So yeah, that's really cool. So the next one then is you also belong to, is it a union uh, television academy arts director set director? Uh, This is is it's a membership. Um, So what that is, that's through. The TV Academy, so that's the the group that does the Emmys, um, and basically they have um, what's called the Television Academy, which is a membership based group, and you do have to apply. Like I had to, um, what was it? I just submit my resume and my portfolio samples. For I actually used a lot of the Real Housewives and some of my Oscars work um, as a was it art director, set decorator, because there's different peer groups. So that was the peer group that I applied for. Um, at the time, that was something where I had a, a, well, I have a good friend, James Pierce Connolly, who is a production designer. Um, what is he known for? He's known for The Voice, but he was one of the governors for that peer group. And that's something, you know, because of it, I'm an Emmy voter. I get to vote for the Emmys. Um, and they have different, you know, all those four-year consideration signs that you see out in LA on the streets. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. we get to go to those events and, um, you know, we get to meet some of the artists and hear, you know, from the directors and the actors who help produce the show. And, you know, they have, you know, events that are based around um, different shows and episodes and whatnot. So it's it's kind of a fun social thing that keeps me engaged with the TV, TV world. And that's why I'm in it mostly. So just in case I ever choose to go back and do that more. Right. <laughs> but I don't know very many people in TV, so I didn't I mean, I know SAG, but I don't know, you know, anything on the production side of mm-hmm. memberships or unions. So yeah, you think more people in LA would go back and forth, but most people I know just stay in theater. Yeah, it's a, it's tricky to go back and forth, and I think it requires a lot of like, you know, knowing your schedule and you know, knowing certain designers or production designers that you can work with who will work with theater schedules. I think that's the tricky thing. Because, you know, mm-hmm. in TV, it's a lot of things are sometimes really last minute. So mm-hmm. you can't, it's hard to plan. Whereas in theater, I think we're all about planning and, you know, having everything on a really great schedule. <laughs> so, Yeah, that's true. 
that's what I hear from people that I do know that do TV is you just get like a phone call and they're like, can you come in tomorrow morning? Yeah. I kind of had like tech, I don't know, something else going on. Yeah. It is kind of last minute. My friend that does a lot of TV out in New York, you know, I'll be like, hey, do you want to have lunch next week? And he's like, I don't know my schedule next week yet. He might Mm -hmm. have to go to this studio. I might have to go to this studio, you know? And so it's always like day of. He'll text me and be like, hey, I'm free tomorrow at 9 a.m. Like, okay, I guess that's when we're having breakfast. That's when we're free. Totally how it is. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. You think with all the money behind it, but I guess with the money behind it, people just do it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's why they can be that way. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, theater doesn't have money to throw. You just make requests and things happen. Yep. (laughs) That's awesome. Do you prefer designing, or is there a difference to you designing straight shows versus musicals versus operas versus new works because you have a whole bunch of new work design on here or is it all kind of the same for you uh i don't know if you it's not that i have a preference i think it's more that i like to engage in projects that are intriguing and interesting and also challenge me as an artist Mm -hmm. um and that was something that i like as a designer, I felt was important to do. Probably, I would say I made that that conscious choice about two years ago. Um, and then, you know, I like to throw in musicals every now and then to to keep it, you know, different and, you know, not always do the straight plays. So, so I have some variety. Um, something that most people don't know, I actually, I'm a, I took classical piano lessons for like 12 years. So the whole, the musical oh, and, wow. you know, having that musical, capability is part of why I love doing musicals so I can actually like read the music and I know what's happening and I understand like how you know the musicality of that musical works and I can appreciate it so I like to keep it all you know I like to diversify and keep it you know different (laughs) so that's awesome yeah that's really cool I don't know if I've met very many scenic designers that can read music yeah, let alone I take... when I meet a lighting designer that can read music. So I was like, oh, good, now we can speak the same language and know where the cues go. Right. Do you still play piano? 12 years is a long time to take it. It is a long time. Um, I try to. I actually don't have a piano here in LA. So usually if I'm playing it, it's because I'm either at my parents' house or I'm randomly passing. Not randomly passing, but if there's one and someone will ask, I'm really rusty. I will say that. Uh, I'm trying to get that, like back in practice, but I, you know, I actually almost pursued piano performance as a college degree. So it was something that I was really good at at one point. Now it's, you know, I, I can read music. I have a knowledge, but my fingers aren't quite in shape to play some of the pieces I used to be able to play. So, <laughs> like yes, your mind knows play. what to do, but your fingers are like, nope, I'm not moving that fast anymore. Yeah, they they like get tired, and I'm like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it anymore. <laughs> so someday I hope to get back to that that place, but I can still, I can still, yes, play the piano to answer that question. Well, that next time I see you and there's a piano, I'll be like, ooh, a piano, Chris, oh. <laughs> come over here. I'm gonna take a video of you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a question. Oh. One of the things that it's hard for Sydney and I to come up with portfolios or things to, or at least for me, to put on a website is because I don't, like, technical directing and stage management is a lot of paperwork and drawings and stuff. Uh-huh. And set design, you get a lot, you, you have actual sets to do. How do you figure out, or how did you figure out how to put together a portfolio um website for people to look at do you do like drawings of what you did you just have pictures of the final work how do you figure out what goes on your website and what helps sell you to people you know it's I think that's a constant struggle for any designer for me because I'm a designer I think it's all about you know how did how does the show look at the finished stage at the finished product um, because a lot of, you know, so yes, designing, there's the art part, right? Where you have to design and do the paint and do all the, you know, textures, but there's also a whole management part to designing, you know, checking in with the shops, dealing with, you know, the props, um, and coordinating with painters and directors. So I think the final product of your senior design is the best way to represent yourself. Um, 
as we know, with the way production shots are done, a lot of times those are focused on, you know, publicity needs and actors' faces. Mm -hmm. So I try to always yep. find pictures that capture the full, either the full look of the set or the set being used in the way that it was intended or in, a, in an instance where it's beautifully lit um, or where there's some sort of movement or transition happening or that has occurred. So if your set has multiple looks, showing how it changed and transforms. Um, and then also, you know, yeah, because just so you can, so, so someone can look at it and understand like, oh, he can clearly, you know, design a multi-unit set mm -hmm. or a musical or, you know, something that isn't just a, a unit set with one place. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, which is also a challenge is find, figuring out like, how do you show the breadth of your work on a website? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you, you want to show you can do a musical, you want to show you can do an opera, but then you also have new plays. So how do you show that? Um, and for me, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit of, you know, shows that I, I personally am really proud of or shows that I think are interesting subject matter. Um, I try to always include some classics. So if you look at my website, you'll see like, there's a, there's a new play section. There's a section that's all your straight plays and musicals. Um, and at the very bottom, I think I even have like dance theater and concert theater. So those are always a little bit different. Um, just to show the range. Um, I think it's important for designers to show the range so that so that producers and other directors don't try to put you in a, in a, in a category, if that makes sense. Yeah. So they're not like, oh, he only does straight plays <laughs> or he only right, does dance exactly. theater. So I try to show a little bit of everything. It is yeah, a challenge. Like Yours is very varied. And I like the way that you have your, um, your resume set up as well because it's easy to glance and just see you order but if like you said if you want to just do scenic design or prop design or tv like you know super clear yeah that's thank you that's good that's good to know because it's you know it's you know, well you know how this is you put it you do something you hope that it's communicating all the information clearly and sometimes you're like maybe it does maybe it doesn't so i'm glad i'm glad you, you said that you liked it that's helpful <laughs> For me, it, and like I, you know, I spent a few seasons hiring designers and technicians and stuff. So mm -hmm. for me, this is awesome because I can, you know, go down and look at, you know, number one, like shows are popping out. I mean, you've done Hydrogen Jukebox, which is one of my favorite shows, Assassins, which is one of my favorite shows. So who's Tommy and Hare, which like I'm in love with, you know, but I can mm -hmm. also look at the directors, which is how I know you've worked with David Schweitzer and Andreas or the locations of the um, theaters that you've worked at and see that you've been back to theaters multiple times over and over again. Mm -hmm. So. I really like it. If I was hiring. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it was it because Cindy and I started our web pages around the same time, but Cindy did uh -huh. most of the research of like, how do you set up a web page? What's the best layout? What do you include? What mm -hmm. and then I just went to the same person to do it and I said, Do what Cindy did, just use my information. <laughs> <laughs> But it is it is a like a full time job getting the pictures and updating the resume oh. and updating the web page and sending out mm -hmm. to new jobs and I think a lot of people don't talk about um, the business like aspect. Themselves. Yeah, marketing themselves and the business aspect mm -hmm. behind design work because there's all of that. So yeah, so much, so much of it. <laughs> in your classes, do you go over some of that or do you focus more on design? I would say in my in my graduate classes, I do teach grad students, um, and I, I tend to talk about it more there um, because for the whole formulating a website, at least in my career, I I didn't really do it until I was finishing grad school. It was mm -hmm. part of something that you know we were told we should do and needed to do was to generate a website that we could basically sell ourselves to you know other theaters and directors so they could see what our, our work looks like. Um, I totally agree that it, it is a full-time job, like collecting the pictures and then change, you know, updating the resume and putting everything on the internet. Uh, me personally, I do it all myself. I don't have anyone, I don't have like someone who does it. Um, so I try to be on top of it as I can. And the other, the other tricky thing is, I don't know, Stacey, if you, if you remember, but Lily Bartenstein, our props master, um, 
from the Truby show, she also took pictures. Yeah, I, I so, downloaded a bunch of hers to eventually put on my webpage. Yeah, so she she's great because she actually has a background. Her MFA is in scenic design from UC San Diego, too. So she has a, a great visual eye to capture, you know, scenery. So she always does me the favor to, you know, if she's working on a show with me, she'll photograph it um, to send out the pictures that, so that the designers do have something that is more design appropriate for a website. So she's actually been one of my collaborators for a while. So I've been really lucky to have her. Um, and every now and then as a favor, she'll come and take photos. Go ahead. <laughs> I know a lot of lighting designers that are very good photographers because they can see light, but yeah. theirs are usually my favorite pictures to use personally, but for all the designers, you know, because as a lighting designer, mm -hmm. you want the full stage. You want the, you want to make everybody else look good because that's what your lighting is supposed to do. So you get the best, like, full scenic shots and costume shops shots and you know um the stuff that, that yeah for sure production people want right um and thankfully now, now lily and i we've sort of had the system for for i want to say at least three or four years but she just uploads them all online and we all have access and that she makes it really <laughs> easy other yeah, shows it's not as easy <laughs> there's um, still some shows i'm trying to get like i'll take a couple pictures but usually during tech i'm running around i don't have time to take pictures and then mm -hmm. they don't like you taking pictures during shows and so yeah. i have a lot of like background building getting ready for it and then no pictures of the actual one and you gotta yeah hunt down the producer to get the photographer yeah. and you're like great five million pictures of an actor's face <laughs> yeah not yeah, useful for me <laughs> That, okay, work on shows with Lily. Got it. She takes pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's always the hard part. I mean, the other the other thing too with pictures, you also you learn to know the photographers in the area. Because I feel like I mean, Stacy, you may know this, but there's like the four people that do all the LA photos for all the theaters. Ed, was it Ed Krieger? I think so. And like He's, Craig Schwartz is one of them. There's like, yeah. there's, there's a group of them. And so sometimes you can politely ask, depending on who they are, oh, can you do like a wide shot or, you know, a design type shot? Um, actually, I work with a theater down in Carlsbad called New Village Arts, and their photographer is great at capturing sort of the design side of, um, you know, the stage and what it looks like. So I'm lucky because you'll see a lot of his photos. It's I think his name is Darren Scott, but um, yeah, that is his name. Darren Scott, he, he's done a lot of my website photos just because he captures them when he, when he goes to shoot the show. And I'm like, great, perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. Like uh, Melissa Malo, who we had on the podcast very early on, she's great at taking the pictures, but yeah, it's a little hard to get them from her because she does so many that... And she only wants, you know, she doesn't want you to look at all the bad ones because she takes five million of them. But she does know that, you know, because she was um, she was in the arts realm for a long time in the TV industry and movie industry. So she understands, like, artists need to see bigger than just actors' faces. <laughs> uh, who do you go through? Because you said you did all your own webs. Did you design and lay out your own website? You know, I, I use Weebly and they actually have a lot of plugins where you just drag and drop. Um, if you look at the website in the very bottom, it says powered by Weebly. <laughs> so they have some templates and you can, you know, they're just customizable enough to where you can make it look like it's all, you know, all done from scratch and personal. Um, but they make it really easy to update and change and, um, you know, shift your website quickly, which is what I need. So mm -hmm. that's how that's how I did my entire web design, um, all the pages, all the pictures. Um, and you can even, they will store up to a certain amount depending on how much, what package you have, I think it's a package. So it's, it's really user-friendly, it's super easy. Uh, I recommend it to all my friends. Other people, some people will use Square or Squarespace, I think is one, or Wix. I was using Squarespace. Yeah, Weebly's the one that I've used since I started my website, so. Yeah, that's good to know, because it's, you know, when, when you're first starting, like, they don't teach you any of this in school, or they didn't teach Cindy and I, so we were like, I have no idea yeah. what I'm supposed to be doing. 
what size pictures or how do I upload it or what does a web page even look mm-hmm. like on the layout and all that. So, yeah, everybody yeah. go look at Chris's web page. It's excellent. We will attach the website to everything. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what is the what's the next couple of shows? I'm sure you have more than just one lined up. What what are you working on now or next? Uh, right now, currently, I am working on Smokey Joe's Cafe down at New Village Arts. That's in Carlsbad, so just on the it's basically the tip of San Diego County. Um, and then right after that, I'll be doing a new play, America Adjacent. It's a new play by Boney Alvarez, and that's going to be at Skylight Theater, so up here in Los Feliz. Um, and that one is going to open February 16th, I believe. Um, but those are the next two, like, immediately coming. I'm currently working on, I want to say, four or five productions, but um, those are the ones that are coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many, roughly, shows do you do a year? Uh so in 2018, I think the number was 16 shows. Wow. So it was, it was quite a bit. Um, I'm trying to be more around the, the number of 12 to 14 shows. In, in some years, I've done actually almost 22 shows, which is way too many. But yeah, you know, I think, I think the, the nice number is probably 12. So someday, right? Yeah, I think I got uh, like 10 or 11. I don't know. We went over them a couple episodes ago. But yeah, that's also a different thing because we can do multiple shows at a time, I feel. Whereas like when Cindy gets on a show, she is just on that. Sh- well, mostly she does paperwork for other shows, but stage well, managers. Like, yeah, they're like prep for five shows right now. But yeah, I'm lucky if I do like six or seven shows a year because, yeah. you know, each contract, I'm physically in a location for like five to eight weeks so yeah whereas you can do a little bit more yeah you can do a lot more work from home and mix and match and you don't have to sit at rehearsal (laughs) over and over right right definitely yeah cindy likes rehearsal i'm like uh boring yeah i can't i can't do rehearsal (laughs) i have to get up and move around Yeah, I mean, even at the Troubadours, I was like, Chris, please give me something to do. He's like, I have nothing. I was like, great, Lily, can I please decorate a tree or something? Like, I can't sit through rehearsal again. Like, there's no, I can't fix anything. <laughs> uh, we're getting near the hour mark. And so I guess uh, we'll jump to the final question. Uh, do you have any cool, fun, exciting, weird twin stories? Uh, you know, I don't have any weird ones, but <laughs> my mom is actually an identical twin. So just like nice, <laughs> really, yeah. So my mom and my aunt are identical twins. So growing up with that, that was kind of funny. But do they live? Does your aunt live close to your mom, or did you grow up uh, close to each other? Um, you know, for let's see, when I was a kid, she they lived fairly close together. So my mom lived in Santa Ana, and my aunt lived in Huntington Beach. Mm-hmm. And then for a brief period of time, my aunt lived in Salt Lake City, and then not Salt Lake City, what was it? Redwood City, so up in Northern California. But then, you know, actually for, I want to say 12 or 15 years, my aunt and my mom actually lived up the street from each other. So like, they were super close. Situation. Yeah. But it was funny because they would always come over <laughs> and always. Yeah, I was gonna say we would drive our husbands crazy if that were the case. They'd be like, "Please go away! You don't live here." <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Um, but yeah, now they live. My aunt is back in Huntington Beach, and my mom is still in Santa Ana, so they still see each other probably. I want to say every other day. It's like all the time, <laughs> <laughs> and they take they take vacations and everything together. But yeah. Yeah, it was fun growing up with a mom who's an identical twin. Did you ever have any problem? I mean, usually kids don't have problems telling identical twins apart, but did lots of other people constantly have a problem telling your mom and aunt apart? Um, You know, when when we were kids, sometimes it would happen when my aunt would come to school functions. Yeah. Like they like they would look and like the teachers or, you know, people at the school would like look at her and think it was my mom. Mm-hmm. And they would all like my aunt would just play along. But it, it was <laughs> funny because um, so I have a brother and sister and my aunt, she only had one son. So my cousin, but she had him later. So 
he ended up going to the same schools that me and my siblings went to. So it was funny to see sort of, you know, my aunt come after my mom had already finished with us at the school and how they like, were like, wait, you don't, you don't have kids here anymore. And it kind of confused them. (laughs) Why are you still here? Yeah. So they're, they're very, you know, they still look very similar. The hair color is a little bit different, but they sound and look very similar. So. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure your aunt knew everything you guys were doing anyway. So she could easily just answer the questions or be like, oh yeah, I'm here to see Chris's show or whatever. And everyone would be like, oh, I thought you were wearing something different. Oh, okay. Whatever. (laughs) I know Uh, we would, we would do that. Um, when Cindy was out at LBO, because I lived in Long Beach, I would stop by the theater <laughs> all the time, and people would be confused, like, I thought you were calling a show. And I'm like, uh, Cindy's calling a show. You're not Cindy. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> That's I'm just bringing some props over. <laughs> yeah. Calling uh, the show was my favorite one. They're like, shouldn't you be doing something right now? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm just doing props. Uh, uh, Great. Well, we're going to definitely post uh, your website. I have it saved on the very top of my notes section uh, for everybody to go look at because anyone looking to build a website, (laughs) just copy Chris. He already did all the hard work. (laughs) It looks great. (laughs) Thank you. And uh, I know you have a Facebook and Instagram. Do you prefer one over the other for people to follow you on or... Yeah, well, the, I think the handle is all the same. So it's at CSM Design 97. And that should take you to both Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Nice. So. I know I tagged you on a number of things. I'm sure you weren't watching half the time, and I'm like, and picture. Chris is decorating a set. <laughs> but then I shared some of yours, being like, oh, look, Chris actually got a decent picture of the set. I'm just going to steal <laughs> that one. <laughs> Yeah. Much easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. Thank you, Chris, for being on the podcast. I'm sure I will work with you again. The Trubies or Hopefully East West players or somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Paths always cross at some point. <laughs> right. Thanks for <laughs> having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, good luck on your next couple of shows and all the joys of paperwork and emails and production meetings. <laughs> right. Thank you. Okay, thanks, folks. You're welcome. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye, Cindy. Bye, Stacey. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstocktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at Twinstock Theater. Title music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of incomtech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.